This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Welcome or welcome back to Self Work. This is Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and this is a very special episode of Self Work, number 200. We're going to be talking about facing self-doubt, but we're also going to be celebrating some today. There was something about post-laureate and author Maya Angelou that was simultaneously challenging, yet deeply responsive and compassionate. I wish I'd known her personally, as I would have loved to have told her so. In fact, one of my first articles for the HuffPost was, in fact, written after her death as a tribute to her. Part of her phenomenon, to me, was her humility. With all the celebrities she had, she seemed to always want to learn and remain curious and to give, always give. So when I began looking for how to shape this, again, I can't believe it, but the 200th episode of the Self Work Podcast, once again sponsored by BetterHelp, I turned to her. So we're going to talk about confronting self-doubt. I certainly had to do my share of that to begin this podcast, and I'll weave all that story in. We all have insecurities. Even the people that don't look like they do, do. But why does self-doubt stop some people and not others? What gives self-doubt power? There's no classic listener email for today, but several of you sent in congrats, and I'm going to feature a couple of those, because after all, this is a celebration. And I more than appreciate those of you who took the time to write or send in a speak pipe recording. My engineer, the inimitable John Crowley, has also created something for you to enjoy and maybe give yourself a much-needed laugh or a smile, and we'll end with that today. So thank you for being here. Let's get to the topic of confronting self-doubt and what can be the result. And then we'll celebrate. It's always affirming when I'm researching something like today for self-doubt. And what I find from the experts out there mimics my own reasoning. It's sort of self-congratulatory, actually. (laughs) It's possible maybe I'm drawn to people who agree with me. I'm sure there's some inherent bias to that. But I do honestly try to look for several articles, not just those that say to me, well, I say the same thing. I'm actually generally looking for disagreement or an idea that's floating around out there that's based on something quite novel for me. But this time, I picked an article by Margie Warrell, that's W-A-R-R-E-L-L, that talks about how she faced her own self-doubt. And in her story, she even had the same aha moment I did when choosing to write a book. That moment was when I realized I needed to be okay with writing an imperfect book. She's the author of You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself, and I'll have that link in the show notes. Some of you may think of me as someone who trusts herself completely, and you'd be sort of correct at least sometimes, but sort of not, especially not completely. I'm especially aware of how my own life experience may limit my understanding of others' issues and problems. What helps me deal with that insecurity is through talking with and treating many people with very diverse backgrounds and beliefs, all with histories of trauma, abuse, and neglect that have made me realize and sometimes become somewhat cynical about how mean, degrading, and self-involved people can act toward one another as well as to their children. 
Some of the stories I've heard will stay forever locked up in my head, not only because of how they were told, but how I came to see those events and traumas to the sad, damaged, and hurting people who'd survived that kind of treatment, only to get up every day and do their best to grow through it and past it. That takes so much courage. Still, there is a kind of healthy narcissism that's necessary to put yourself out there as an expert. In 2012, I couldn't even push the publish button. That's when I started actually blogging. My mentor, Jeanette, did that for me, much to my horror at first. I had to laugh. Okay, so be it. One of the things she had to convince me of was that I was considered an expert in my field. At that point, I'd been a psychologist for over 20 years, but I had all kinds of excuses why I still wasn't an expert. I had self-doubt. And I still have moments of doubt, a lot of them. I don't suffer from true imposter syndrome, where I'm constantly afraid that I'll get found out as a fraud and that I've really done nothing that should offer me the audience I have. But this article by Miss Worrell had some great things to say about that. And I'm going to use her framework, and then I'll add in my own two bits, as I often do here on Self Work, as we go along. First, she says, to embrace doubt as part of being human. I actually love this point, and I'll quote her. As you think about the things you'd most love to achieve or change in your life right now, just know that self-doubt is there to protect you from the humiliation of falling flat on your face. I love that. That's just so true. How often have I made myself wonder or heard myself wonder, can I really pick up that weight? Maybe it's too heavy. Or can I make that yellow light and realize, nope, better not. But I'd make the distinction between appropriate self-doubt and crippling anxiety. Many of you who've listened to self-work know that I have a struggle in the gym with balance. Often my trainer and I will work on balance stuff, and I immediately become anxious, like I feel my legs start shaking. It's all mental. That's not healthy self-doubt. It's amazing how strong that anxiety can be. It just happened this week, in fact. She had a new exercise on the Pilates thingamajig, whatever that's called, the reformer, and I just started shaking. I thought, I can't do this. And yet, I made myself do it, which we'll talk about in a second. This leads us to the next point that Ms. Worrell makes. Doubt your doubts. Your doubts are not the truth. We've talked often on self-work about how depression and anxiety can lie to you. For example, my body is strong enough to do the balance work, at least most of the time. It's my mind telling me I can't, when all I need is practice. So you have to challenge yourself. I just said I make myself do the things my trainer asks, even though my little legs are shaking like a leaf and it embarrasses me. And then ask yourself another interesting question. What if what I fear is the exact opposite of the truth? Now, that's an interesting thought. What if your mind is saying you're not strong enough or you're not smart enough or you're not pretty enough or you're not whatever enough? And actually, the opposite is true. And you can even think about that. Well, what would I do if that was true? Maybe I should ask myself what that would be like. Her third point is to call out your critic. Now, this was one of the times that I had to laugh because this very much matches what I've already talked about on self-work. I've named my anxiety. In fact, those of you who can remember, my anxiety's name is Bob. There are several things that naming your anxiety or calling out your critic accomplishes. First, it provides some detachment. It's not me who's shaking. It's Bob who's making me shake. 
that detachment can offer you some space to look at your self-doubt or anxiety more objectively. What about this task in front of you is so hard? What if you could approach it a piece at a time? For example, my trainer just broke down what I was shaking about and said, first put your foot here, then here, and we'll stop. If that's all you can do for today, that's fine. Then if you're ready, do this. And just breaking it down really helped. So basically, she was helping me divide it up into things that I didn't doubt quite so much. And it helped me to keep my head on straight. And I analyzed my doubt, something I'm suggesting you do. See your doubt as something you can tolerate and confront, not convince yourself. Well, if I doubt it, if I'm afraid of it, then I better not do it. The fourth one she states is to make your mission bigger than your fear. This I definitely did with this podcast. Her comment is, and I quote, Letting self-doubt sit in the driver's seat is a surefire recipe for regret and resentment. I cannot even imagine if four years ago I'd had the idea of doing a podcast and then shied away from it. My gosh, how my own life has been enriched. I've learned so much as every week I research interesting topics for you. And I've gotten to meet, at least sort of meet, all of you from all over the world. The mission of self-work was bigger than my self-doubt. I didn't let it control me. I noticed it. I was aware of it. And I'll talk a little bit more specifically what I was really afraid of in a second. Her fifth point is to build a tribe of believers. And she says, when you surround yourself with people who bring out your best and embolden your thinking, you can do more, be more, and give more than you ever could otherwise. Boy, have I been so lucky to build a great team, and all of you are part of that tribe. You've emailed, texted, contacted, written reviews, given ratings, most of them encouraging and urging me on. Hey, listen, I've made mistakes along the way. In fact, I need to mention one now. I saw in the uh, critical reviews that someone who is a PsyD said that I was incorrect, that I had said PsyDs or doctors of psychology don't write dissertations, and I was told that's incorrect. So I apologize to all of you PsyDs out there, but I certainly couldn't have done 200 podcasts and not gotten a few things wrong. I appreciate those of you who have respectfully sent me emails to let me know about that and promoted good, healthy discussion with me. So basically, you don't want to berate yourself for self-doubt. It's there to keep your own energy safe and secure. But it can also become a hurdle if its voice becomes too strong, not a helpful reminder anymore, but an unhelpful inner voice. And it can lie to you. A great way to confront is to wonder, what if the opposite were true? And now I'll share with you one of my major insecurities about this podcast. It was my age. I was 61 when I began self-work, and what I feared was that ageism would cause people to reject the idea of listening. In fact, I remember doing the podcast cover, the very first one, and I wondered just how old do I look. (laughs) I don't particularly look as old as I am or what the number says about me, but still, I thought, oh, gosh. Yet instead, many of you have commented on my experience as something helpful, and I wouldn't have had that experience if I was younger in the field. But I remember I turned to Maya Angelou about this fear. I thought, surely she has said something about fear and age. She was revered for years, but did a lot of writing and publishing even into her last decades. And this is what Maya Angelou said to me and to you. I'm convinced of this. 
Good done anywhere is good done everywhere. For a change, start by speaking to people rather than walking by them like they're stones that don't matter. And here's the point that was so important. As long as you're breathing, it's never too late to do some good. Let me say that again. As long as you're breathing, it's never too late to do some good. So I stood in the mirror and said that to myself. And what I've tried to do is do good. Before we go on, I'd like to take a minute to feature the wonderful offer from BetterHelp, whose sponsorship has actually lessened the financial burden on me to produce this show and for whom I'm very grateful. Let's hear from BetterHelp. When I was approached by BetterHelp now several months ago, COVID had emerged. And I'd maybe conducted a handful of telehealth sessions, mostly when someone was sick and couldn't make it into the office. Now, five months later, I'm even more of a believer in telehealth. It took some getting used to, but actually, clients sometimes seem more relaxed. It fits better into their schedule. And although many have told me they miss seeing me in person, it's still been a very fulfilling relationship. I've even started new patients and they've told me they had positive experiences, so we've never actually met in person. BetterHelp is rated the number one online therapy service that's available to you wherever you live. Confidential and highly personalized, it's much less expensive than normal talk therapy. You can text, have video chats, or just talk on the phone. You outline what you're looking for, and BetterHelp suggests several therapist options for you. If you don't seem to find a way to connect with one, they'll ask you more about what you're looking for and then suggest others. I, of course, tried it out before I was going to recommend it to you, and the two therapists I had sessions with listened well and made great suggestions for me, and ones that actually I might make myself. I talked about my own panic disorder and a very scary situation I'd been through, and they were caring and thoughtful. And I was amazed at how easy it was to get in touch with them to make time changes, for example. Although BetterHelp can't be there in emergencies, nor could any online provider, they have all kinds of information about what you can do in that special circumstance. And today, BetterHelp has a great savings offer for you. If you use the link trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork, again, that's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork, you can enjoy a 10% discount on your first month of sessions. After five months of seeing how people relate to telehealth, I'd highly recommend it. If self-work has helped you, maybe BetterHelp can give you an even more personal experience with therapy. And now let's begin celebrating. So many of you have written to thank me for doing this podcast, for me trying to do some good, as Maya Angelou would say. You've told me what you've learned or how you've grown, and maybe even said you'd be trying therapy because of it. That is such wonderful news. I asked over the last few weeks for a few of you to send in your own thoughts about self-work or my book that I've been so passionate about, Perfectly Hidden Depression, and I've chosen two of those entries that were especially poignant. You may not ever realize what these kinds of comments mean to me, and many of you have sent them over the years, but it's like putting a buck in a street musician's guitar case or thanking a nurse for their kindness, even though it's their job to take care of you, or noticing when the server at Sonic 
looks tired, and so you say how much you appreciate the way she always makes sure your sonic drink is like you like it. So I should say thank you to Amanda, who does just that for me here in Fayetteville. So now let's feature Victoria talking about what the podcast has meant to her. I teared up when I heard her words. Hello, Dr. Margaret. My name is Victoria. I live in Tennessee. And I know I'm late uh, to answer your question as to why I listen to self-work, but I promised myself I would do this. I listen because self-work helps me be a better version of myself. I grew, I'm a baby boomer and I grew up in an era where emotional mental health was just not discussed, not nearly like it is today anyway. So it's no surprise that I was not prepared to handle things like divorce, alcoholism, and definitely not uh, prepared for the suicidal death of my oldest son at the age of 34. So even though I have grown leaps and bounds in my mental health, thanks to professionals like you, I continue to look for ways to grow. Your podcast, books, blogs do just that. I cannot express the depth of gratitude I have for not only your wisdom, knowledge, and experience, but also your generosity and ability to share it so freely and eloquently as you do. Thank you, Dr. Margaret, for helping me better equip myself for this journey we call life with deepest appreciation. Second, we'll feature this listener's comments about perfectly hidden depression. So many of you have followed that path with me as I figured out what I wanted to say about this combination of perfectionism and depression, something I felt so passionate about for the last six or seven years, and you have fueled that passion. Many of you have actually joined the Facebook closed group just because of that reason. So we can talk more about perfectly hidden depression. So not only do you have more access to me, but so many amazing people from all over the world. Hello, Dr. Margaret. I have had your book for months now, and now I have your audio book. My schedule's pretty busy, and so now I'm listening to it, and it has truly locked me in. You have set me on a path of true recovery, recovery of me, I cannot thank you enough for writing this book. With a private library of my own full of self-help books, your book has hit home with me on every level. My journey at almost 60 is going to be amazing. Um, You've helped me realize and uncover and log, reflect and feel again. I cannot thank you enough from my whole heart. Thank you. Again, such a beautiful tribute to the book and to its mission to help those who can't find themselves anywhere else, and they find themselves in perfectly hidden depression. Something I've definitely discovered in doing self-work and everything else I've done in the last eight years is how much I need the help of others, their belief, their talents, their energy, their ideas, and their caring. All have become my friends. From my Northwest Arkansas mentor and sometimes tech guru, Jeanette Baeza Collins, to my California art director, all-around assistant, and now publicist, Christine Mathias, who has made it her passion to get the word out about perfectly hidden depression, to my audio engineer, John Crowley of Loudmouth Studios in Little Rock, Arkansas, who makes me laugh with his playfulness and who makes magic out of my ums and wells. To Jody Smith, my on-call podcast guru from Georgia, who steps in and fixes the podcast or teaches me something new when needed. To Will Collins, Jeanette's actual husband, who stepped in as a graphic designer. His business is Archetypes here in Northwest Arkansas, but who also calms me down when the website is doing something weird and, of course, fixes it. 
all of these people have been my fixers, and I need all of them. I couldn't do this without any of you. You are absolutely... Oh, got teared up. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, I think I've recovered. <laughs> You're all absolutely amazing. Thank you so very much. So we're on to 201, which will come out next week, and there will probably be a 202. I had a wonderful conversation with author Terry Cheney that I'll feature in the next couple of weeks. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Manic and Now Modern Madness. She was an incredible guest, and I learned much more than I already knew about bipolar disorder. So that will come out in mid-October. But then I need to let you know the team is taking a break. We'll be featuring some of the best of self-work in the coming weeks. After all, we've only taken two weeks off in 200 episodes, so we've been chugging along. But I'm having cataract surgery, so I thought it would be a great time for a little R&R. I hope you enjoy the podcast we choose, and we'll all be back and raring to go in November. And now, roll of drums. Here's the special treat that John Crowley has devised for you. But before we listen, please accept one more time my gratitude. It's an honor to be your podcast host here on Self Work and fellow student. So I'll be signing off, but stick around a minute or two. I promise it'll make you smile. Take very good care and stay healthy. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. This is Self Work. And I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Whoops. And I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And I started a podcast like... And I started a podcast like... John, sorry. So in today's episode of Withdrawal... Withdrawal. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But today in this episode of Self... Self... And the technique may surprise you a little. Because it may seem that when you're doing it... You're being ex- when you're doing this behavior, you're because it hello because it may seem that when you're doing this actual behavior, being you're being oh god, John, I'm sorry. It's good to pick something small to begin your journey. So stop. Hello, I cannot talk today. What? what nah, uh, just forget all that, John. I just can't talk today. The unrelenting standards are coping mechanisms that shoot. <laughs> But in, but internal. Uh, uh, <clears throat> start over. The third way of self sob, self sob, the third way of self sob. <laughs> oh goodness! Different authors offered. Th- different authors offered. Different authors offered. <laughs> uh, sex, sex, sex. <laughs> uh, first. Don't focus on what is no longer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't focus on what is. Oh, shit. As I become. As I be- As. He oh, he. Maybe you kept accomplishment. 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 New word. So that's. Has served as a. As ser- has served. Shit. As you've been triggered by the. By the. Oh, shit. Or go of. God bless. I should hang it up. Involved with a psychologist. Very involved with either a psychologist. No, just let me start over. But I hope it isn't. I mean, I'm about to burp. Take very good care. This is Dr. Margaret. No, wait. I'm I'm Dr. Margaret. (laughs) 